like this, which is the temple, we talk, spoke about the altar as well. You know, we are the altar of God. In our home, we have the altar as well, but this is also the altar of God. In the altar, you have the presence of God. You know, that is where divinity, which is God, meet with humanity. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, when it's there, we experience fellowship with ourselves, but we also experience fellowship with God. And Father, I just want to pray this morning for that fellowship, Lord, fellowship with uh, the Holy Spirit. I pray, you know, the, uh, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that, you know, he teaches us. I pray for the teaching this morning. Father, I want to be taught of you, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you teach every one of us. For many of us, we've heard this before. We know this really well. Maybe we've forgotten some of them. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is to remind us. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying earlier, right from the beginning of the Bible, the very first book, Genesis chapter 1, you could see the rules. You know, basically, don't, there's so many trees in the garden, but there was just one simple rule. Do not touch that one, only one. And straight away, men, you know, from Eve to Adam, you know, they broke the rules, you know, as quickly as they could get through it. Um, so we saw the consequences as well. Then you have two children, one because he was envious of the other one, basically killed his brother. Again, basic rules they couldn't follow. Um, in time, as time goes on, God, in order not to form, you know, chaos, and we need to have order in the world. So God gave commandments through Moses. I'm sure we all know this, through the book of Torah. So the actual first book, the first five books of the Bible, so the first five books are also in Quran. The first five books are also in the Jewish book, okay? So there are five books. All of them actually agree on the same thing of things that you, you are not allowed to do. They are called Torah the book of the law. So over the years, the first 12 was given through Moses and several others later. But actually, one of the things you see that as Moses was coming down to actually told them, this is what God has shown me, they were already breaking the first rule. You know, the first rule of thou shalt not, you know, make any God before me. They were breaking the rule already. It wasn't even given to them yet. They already started making another God. And then these 12 rules, other rules were added. Actually, it got to a point it was about 613. Could you believe that? 613 rules. It's called Mishva in, 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 uh, in, in Jewish language. 613 of them that you need to follow. Uh, very complicated. So let's, I'm sure for those who have read the Bible, you can already be kind of remember so many examples of people that failed these laws, you know, that kind of made a mess of the laws, Okay. Even the kings, no, not just the ordinary people in the community, the priests, the kings, all across. Example, David. Do you really think that David didn't know that God said, thou shalt not covet? You know, covet is when you have something, you're right, you have your own, you know, enjoy yours. Don't be envious of other people and try to steal their stuff. David was the king, a very intelligent king, actually a very good man, you know. But David was on the roof one day, looking down, what did he see? Another man's woman. You know, he started from trying to uh, like another man's woman to actually deception, conniving with Joab, his uh, key uh, soldier, and they actually killed the husband in the end. Not only that, he, he took somebody's wife, he killed the husband. 
But this man knows these 613 laws. His, rule, his role as the king was actually to be able to explain to people how to follow the law. You know, the son of David, called, I think, Amma, yeah, he raped his sister, yeah, his stepsister. Then the brother, which is, uh, I think, Absalom, as we know, of that sister, Nehemiah, killed him. So these people knew all these things, that they shouldn't do them, but they carry on doing them anyway. So, there, you know, it shouldn't be surprising to any one of us that people really want to know the way out. There are 613 rules, laws that you should follow, but you can't even follow any one of them. It's so complicated. And that is why one man came to Jesus, you know, a Pharisee. He, in the book, or in two chapter, books of the Bible were mentioned. In one of them, the Bible says he was trying to test Jesus, actually. The other one, he was just trying to ask. So maybe if you have your Bible, we could open to that book. Um, it's the book of Mark, chapter 12. Um, and I'll start reading for the verse 28. Mark 12, verse 28. And it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, ask him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is this. And please, let's pay attention. It's very important. <laughs> the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You, are, you have truly said he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So Jesus Christ was basically saying, all right, I know you have these 613 laws, and maybe many that were actually not recorded, but you just need to, you know, follow two of them. And actually, when you see the two, you can merge them together as one. It says, love God, but remember that God loves you, and because God loves you, love your neighbor. Anyone around you, love them. Simple. Because when you keep this one single law, you basically keep the entire 613 and you move on. Um, actually, in the book of Romans, Paul made mentions of this several times, trying to quote different verses of the 12 commandments, the, the, the 10 commandments. He will quote them and just tell you why love solves that problem. Amen. So this is amazing for me. This is like, you know, I'm sure many of us have written exams before, GCSE, A-levels, whatever the exam is. Imagine that you have this teacher in your school who is not just a very good teacher, but happened to be one of those people that set the exams. Would you love to, you, I'm sure you would like to have a chat with him. And you then go to this guy to say, you know, out of all these 40 questions I'm going to, you know, write in the exam, which is the one? That I'm, if I'm able to just study that particular part of the, you know, a syllabus, I'm surely going to pass. And the guy said, well, you know, just read chapter days of that book. That's, you know, to be honest, when I was a student and I'm still one, 
Um, that's the kind of thing I always like. You know, if you, I call it area of concentration, area of emphasis. What is that area in my book that if I read it, I will pass the exam, okay? Jesus Christ was basically saying 613, read one of them, and you are done. You are fine, amen? So if this is true, I'm sure you want to know what this love is. So what is love exactly? And why does it matter? Well, I can answer the second question, which is why does it matter? It matters because instead of following these 613 rules, and many other more have been added by humans, by the rules, by government, by people around you, just do one. Love God with all your heart. Remember that he loves you and love your neighbor. Amen. So what is love? Next slide. Okay. So um, I was somewhere, I think it was 2019, and somebody who happened to be my mentor, both spiritually and in my career as well, uh, was speaking, interestingly, and he shows this slide. I thought, wow, this is amazing. So, I'll just, so I'm not taking credit for it. It's not mine. But I want to use this to kind of explain what love is all about. And it's not his idea, actually. <laughs> He's just been a professor. He knows how to present it very well. It's not my idea as well. So let's open to the book of John, chapter 1. Verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14. John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just Jesus Christ came to live among us as human. All right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. And then this is the important part. Full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. You know, grace is basically that which we cannot do on our own, the gift of God that comes to us and we don't have to work for it. Truth is something, revelation uh, from God. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranked before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, remember, in the first verse, it says, Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And in this verse 16, it says, For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law came through Moses. And, you know, Jesus Christ did not actually say the laws are bad. But the laws are bad. They came through Moses. But what came through Jesus Christ is truth and grace. So if you look at this graph, uh, a simple way to explain it is that, you see, if you, have, if you look at grace as your vertical line and truth on the horizontal one, when you have very high, uh, low grace, meaning you are somebody who don't have grace. Grace is you are not really sympathetic. You are not... You know, you are not trying to give somebody what, you know, um, you, are, you are very critical and, and you have low truth, meaning you don't want to find out about anything about them. What you become is apathetic. Basically, you don't care. You know, you don't want to know about them and you don't actually want to show them any glove. So it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you know, that's apathetic. There's another one which is high grace. You really want to be nice, but you don't want to find anything, the truth about their lives or what is going on. That is permissive, meaning you let everything go, whether they are doing bad or wrong, it doesn't matter, you just want to be nice. There's the other one, which is you are high in truth, you know a lot about what is going on around you, 
but actually you are very low in grace, but you don't see it from compassion and love, you become condemning, of course, because they've done this wrong. You, say, you can't do that. Pharisees are very good at that. They condemn everything. You can't do that. You can't dress like that. You can't look that. You can't watch that. You can't do this. Why? Because they know a lot of truth, but they lack grace. Let us look at Jesus Christ. He says, the Bible says he's full of grace and what? Full of truth. So he has love. He is loving. Fullness of grace and fullness of truth gives you what? Love. Amen. So, and you know, in the life of Jesus, you can see so many examples. Um, I'm sure maybe many of us are already thinking of uh, some now. Example is the prodigal son. Just imagine, you see, for us, it's, it's going to be very hard for the Western kind of culture to understand what the prodigal son did, to be honest. <laughs> you know, in, in, that, in, the, in the time of Jesus Christ, if you actually go to your father, if you were to visit your dad and you say, you know, dad, I know you've got these three houses and ten cars. You know, we have, we're only two in this house, me, my brother. I just need, out of the five houses, just give me two now, and I want it now. Uh, and I need three of the cars. You see, what you have done literally is you've killed the man because he needs to die before you can get inheritance. So you've literally killed him. So he's committed murder, if you like, <laughs> that guy. So, but that's what he did to his dad. And Jesus Christ was using that as a story that you know, a guy came to his father, shot, almost shot his father dead, you know, but he didn't die, of course. Um, but you know, the, when this guy came back, his father forgave him and made, you know, even through a, a big party. So the father did not forget. He is not like he didn't know that this guy has done it. So he's full of truth, <laughs> but actually full of what? Grace as well. You know, we know the story of the woman caught in adultery. You know, when you are caught in adultery, the 630 rules, one of them says, what, anybody? Yeah, you should be stoned to death. That woman should be dead. You know, you know, dead. And people were ready. There were actually people all around her willing to kill her that day. Full of truth. They were full of the fact of the law. But what did Jesus do? Jesus did not say, well, carry on doing adultery is a nice thing. No, 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 no. But he said, no, you don't deserve to die, but stop sinning. Stop the act of adultery, but you shall live. Amen. And the last example I will give before I go to the last part of the talk is actually the next slide is the woman at the well John 4 you know Jesus Christ did something very interesting if you don't kind of go into the detail of the text you might not see it because what we saw was that Jesus Christ went to this woman everybody kind of didn't want to talk to the woman all right in fact it was that bad that this woman only could travel in the afternoon everybody would go to this well in the morning all the women in the society they travel in the morning to fetch water but this woman traveled alone in the afternoon because she was not accepted among her friends okay nobody wanted to be with her uh, so, so Jesus Christ talking to her was already a good thing. But let us look at something that is more than just talking and being nice to this woman. In time of Jesus, right, part of the 613 rules is that, you know, you don't mix with people who are not good. You know, people who are not Christian, dirty people, people who are not, you know, holy. Don't mix with them, all right? Don't marry them. Don't, you know, there's so many rules around that. So the Jewish went a little bit further because, you know, 
It's just like saying, well, the Bible says, I don't know a good example. Imagine some, if you feel, oh, the Bible says don't drink, for example, all right? And you think, well, don't drink actually means don't go to the pub and don't sit close to somebody who drinks because then maybe you might end up, or if that somebody put a, 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 an alcohol in their fridge, right? Don't even drink the water close to the alcohol because it might pollute you. That's the kind of life that the Jewish people live at the time. So in times of Jesus, look at that graph. If you were to travel from Jerusalem to Nazareth, the closest route, of course, is to go through Samaria and go to Nazareth. But in Jesus' time, people don't travel like that. People will walk from Jerusalem, they will cross Jordan, okay, go to another country, and then travel to go to Nazareth. Why? Because the people in Samaria are bad people. They don't want to mix with them. All right? But you know what Jesus Christ did? <laughs> he broke the rule of that time. Don't forget, Jesus Christ was uh, a Jew, number one. Secondly, Jesus Christ happens to be a teacher of the law. They call him what? Rabbi. So he knew this rule really well. Full of truth, but actually full of what? Grace as well. So Jesus Christ didn't go through Jordan. Yeah? He went through Samaria. That's what John first, that's why in John, the very first verse of John 4 says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he was doing the kind of abnormal thing. The usual thing is to travel around to Nazareth, but he went straight. He went straight. So actually, you can see at the top, I didn't say Samaria, I call it some area. So what are the some area in our life as people? Because of the, yes, we know the truth. Yes, we know facts around us. Yes, we know our culture. Yes, we know how people will normally behave. But because of the love of Christ, what are we going to do differently? What are some areas that you are going to not pass anymore? You, you, know, you go straight because of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so, you know, I started from Genesis chapter 1, a very good place to start. Then, you know, kind of move through the people of the Israelites, David and the rest. We saw in the life of Jesus, we want to see when Jesus actually died, rose again, be on the hands of God. Let's see the Christians, which people we can actually identify with, you know, what did they do in terms of love? Paul is a very good example here. And, you know, the passage that we're going to end up with now, I'll just spend the last 10 minutes here. The passage that we're going to be talking about here is a passage that is well known to everyone. If you've ever been to a wedding, <laughs> you've heard this passage before. But, you know, in these last 10 minutes, I don't just want us to listen to it like we listen to the same passage during a wedding uh, day. You know, we listen to I'm sure everyone can kind of know without even going to the slide yet. Don't go here. I just want to, anybody can, you know, can you guess what this passage is in the Bible? Yeah, Ruth? Exactly. So, First Corinthians. All right. <laughs> Thank you. So, First Corinthians. So, everything that I've put there is basically summarizing the first, the chapter, the thirteenth chapter of First Corinthians, chapter thirteen. You see, I will go through them quickly, but I want to really encourage every one of us, please, to go back, read this book, but read it again in a different way because that's what I, I believe Holy Spirit has helped me to really do. I think I've read it. I don't want to give you number, but it's a lot. Is <laughs> a lot actually over and over. It's very short. It's just one page, and it's about um, 
just only 13 you know, uh, verses. Just go over and over and over and over, over them again. And uh, you see, I believe that God will, will reveal something special to you. But let's look at it. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So let's stop in this first three. So if you can speak in the word of angels, so not just speak well, you know, eloquent. Who is the most eloquent person? To, you know, I don't know. I can't remember. You know, just imagine somebody who is really very good. They can speak well. They can convince you. They're really very good, okay? And they're sharp, very intelligent in knowledge. And, yeah, they can speak even prophetic word. Prophetic word means you can actually tell of what is going to happen. The mind of God, what God wants to do next year, they already know it today, you know? And um, which is, it would be amazing. And by the way, this chapter is not actually saying gifts are not good. It's not talking about privileges are not good. It's not saying all these great things, being intelligent and sharp and all that. It's not saying they are not good. It's not a competition between love and all these gifts. But what this Bible passage is saying is that if you have all this, you know, which is basically worship, you can worship like, you know, like, you know, like the angel. You can prophesy like no man business. You have knowledge. And all these are the optimum level, the best that you can have. You see, if that were to be on a way balance, and you put it here, all right, and you put love on this side, love is by far heavier than this. That's what he's saying. Because if you do all these great things without love, it's equal to zero. Does, does that make sense? So without love is equal to zero. Actually, if one of them says if you have faith to the extent that you can say to a mountain, uh, this big mountain, stand and go there. You know, it's in the Bible. Jesus says we can do that, right? And Paul is saying, let's say you have that power, and you can basically say that big mountain, move, go to the next street, okay? And you, you, are, you have the capacity to do it, but if you do it and you don't have love, you are Useless, that's the word, you know, the right way to put it. You are useless. It's not just zero, you're useless. Zero is equal to useless, isn't it? Nothingness, zero. <laughs> you're useless. And the reason is this, right? If you have the capacity, the faith that can move a mountain and drop it anywhere you like, if you don't have love, you're going to drop it in the front of your enemy's house. <laughs> so if somebody just argue with you or you don't like them, you're going to just go, mountain, destroy them. And do you believe me? If you don't believe, check the book of John. It's there. You know, the disciples of Jesus Christ, they were friends to Jesus. They met with Jesus personally. Somebody just said something naughty about Jesus. You know what they said? They said, Jesus, let's call fire from heaven and destroy them. They said it to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come on, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> I know I can, but I'm not going to do it. Why? Because of love. So the next one says, um, it's about generosity, really. Extreme generosity. It says if you give everything you have, all that you have, all your money, all your food, everything to, to people, but you do it without love, you are doing nothing. It's just a waste of your resources. A waste of your resources. Generosity is good. Generosity is amazing, but it should be done in the context of love. It should be done in the cost test of love. So 
In fact, it says, if you sacrifice yourself, if you basically kill yourself, burn yourself, you know, do whatever, and you die just because you want to help somebody else, if you do it and there is no love in your heart while you are doing it, you have done nothing. It's useless. You know, it's zero. That's what the Bible is saying about love. So you can see how big love is. Love is amazing. Love is powerful. Because remember Jesus Christ himself, that is what he did. He died for you and I. He died. But if Jesus had died without love, his death would have been useless. And that is why John 3.16 says, he said, For God so loved the world, and he gave. Jesus Christ died because of love. So I'll run, you know, just go quickly now. Love is patient. So the first one is actually a question, answering the question, how big is love? You know, we see that love is so big that nothing is close to it, you know. Not even generosity, not uh, prophecy, not uh, intelligence, not knowledge, nothing. Gen nothing is close to it. That's where the first part is talking about. And the middle part is basically saying things that love is, okay? A way to measure love. For example, if I said, do you love your daughter? I'm sure you're going to say, yes, of course, I love my daughter. Do you love your son? Yes. Are you generous to your son? It's another thing. Yeah. Are you patient with your son? Are you patient with your daughter? All right? So that's how do we measure love as people? So that's what this one is trying to say. So love is patient. People that you love, you want to show that you really love them, be patient with them. Patient is something that is a function of time. It's, uh, the Bible Call it sometimes long suffering. It means when somebody, there's a distance between your emotion. How do you feel now? Are you angry? What do you do after that emotion and action? Try to bring a distance between them. If you feel angry or you feel you have an emotional thing about something, be patient so that your action reflects love. Right. So love is kind, love is gentle, love is meek, love is humble. You know, when you look at humility in our culture, you look at meekness in our culture, it's basically seen as weakness. So when you see a leader, you know, that looks like they are really very powerful and they can destroy people, you, you know, that is kind of linked to strength, all right? But actually love is linked to humility, meekness. In fact, I call it, um, you know, a controlled strength. Somebody who, it is not, you know, you have a lion, okay, and we know lions can kill and destroy. That's the job of lion, you know, he sees anything, a human or other, but a tamed lion, a lion that has been well tamed and mannered, what does he do? It only acts if it is necessary. This lion can play with kids, can do different things. That is who we are called to be because of the love of God. That doesn't make us, make us weak, we are still strong, but it's just that we have a control strong by the Holy Spirit. We are humble. Um, you know, love does not keep record. You know, we know that. Uh, love does not envy. You know, it is envy that makes who? Uh, is, what's the Abel's brother's name? Cain. Cain killed his brother because of envy. You know, we saw that in Joseph as well, his brother in prison, you know, they got him in, you know, sold to, to sell slavery because of envy. And Jesus Christ actually was killed because of envy from the Roman uh, people and so on. Love is not rude. You know, another way we can show love to people around us, we can measure our is how we speak to them. 
whether to their face or behind their back and things like how do we how do we show love is through that we are not rude um, that we are not talking about our friends, somebody we really know, and we are the one exposing all the weaknesses they have to the public. Oh, I know another one as well. Oh, he's like this. He's like, love is not rude. As I put their love tend to infinity. Sorry, it's because I do a bit of maths in my life, so everything in my brain kind of linked to maths a little bit. So love tends to infinity. I mean, you know, the Bible says love never ends. Lord never ends. You see, everything that we are in life, everything that we have achieved, all the things that we may link to ourselves, they will come to an end here one day. One day, everything will come to an end. The only thing that does not end is love. Love does not end. And finally, you see, in the Bible, faith is very important because we need faith to love God, to know him, to come to him and believe that he exists. Faith is very powerful. You know, hope is amazing. You know, hope is amazing because if you actually, the Bible says, if all that we think about is where we are today and we don't think there's something called heaven somewhere, if we don't believe that when we die we are going somewhere, then, you know, all our faith, all that we believe is useless. So hope is powerful. You know, we need to be people who are hopeful. Even those who are not Christian, they encourage hope. You know, like hope helps you psychologically. It's good for you, all right? So hope is great. Faith is amazing. But you see, when you compare the three, love, hope, and faith, the Bible in the last verse says the biggest of them is love. The biggest of these three is love. And I'm sure you want to know why, you know. I can't tell you I have all the answers, but I'll give you one simple explanation that I've read and I've researched and I agree that it's true. You see, God himself does not need faith. He doesn't need faith to believe. You need faith. I need faith to believe in God. God does not need faith. God knows tomorrow from today. He actually knows the end of a movie before it even started. <laughs> you know, before anything, he already knows. So he doesn't need to hope. But you know the Bible says God is love. You know, God is love. So when you and I, we demonstrate love, what we are actually doing is that we are showing forth one of the attributes of our Father. One of the things that God himself does, and he is, is that he loves. So when you love somebody and you show love, you are basically, you know, demonstrating that ability of our God, of our Father. Amen. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are faithful. We thank you, Father, because you are holy. Thank you because, you know, even what I lack the capacity to have said or be able to explain well enough, I thank you because Holy Spirit is going to do even by far better in my life, in the life of everyone. I just want to thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you will be with us. You will explain all these things to us, Lord, that we will love you with the whole of our heart. We will love ourselves. We know that you love us. But you, Lord, we will love our neighbors, love people all around us, that everything that we do, all the skills that you've given us, as we use them to your glory, we do them in love. Amen. And the last slide, you know, just to round up. 
you see, there's Torah. Uh, Torah is a Hebrew you know, word. When it comes to Greek, they call it nomos. All that is about law, about rules. Like I said at the beginning, 613 of them. Part of what you do is a lot of sacrifice. All right? In all this, you do sacrifice. But you see, loving kindness, which is hesed, loving kindness, hesed is what it's called, is bigger than all that. And, you know, last, I think it was three or four weeks ago, we were in the garden um, walking around. Uh, one of the things that we saw was that blue bell flower. And actually, as we look up that blue bell, what it stands for is loving kindness and constancy, consistency. So this week, maybe as we go around and we look around, I would suggest that we think about blue bell flower. Maybe if you see them or you can think about and remember love. And also remember what Jesus Christ did. That we, we as people can make a choice to go a different path. You know, in our culture, in our upbringing, in our background, in things around us, there may be a particular way of doing it. We want to make a choice and asking the Holy Spirit to help us to make that choice this week to go in the path that show love so that we can meet maybe that woman by the well that God has sent us to this week. Amen.